New Orleans Saints training camp day five is in the books. The pads went on and some of the players went off. Who had the biggest days during the first padded practice? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, detailed practice notes, one-on-one details for every single one-on-one rep, film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints. Join a community, which I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, You can find me as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. And on today's live episode of Locked on Saints, big shout out to everybody that's here live or whether you're watching or listening later. Appreciate y'all very, very much for being a part of the show. On today's episode, we're taking a look at the play of the day as Jake Hayner and Rashid Shaheed take flight. We'll also get you some of the other finer notes from throughout the day as well. We're going to take a look at how the New Orleans Saints continue to innovate during practice and training camp with how the Saints have worked on eye discipline over on the defensive side. But first, like I said, those pads went on and the players went off. Who had the biggest days of New Orleans Saints training camp day five? Let's get to it. So I want to start off by highlighting here that the physicality was way up today uh, with the pads going on. The confidence was high. And of course, the fans that were in attendance, big shout out to those of you that said hi, really appreciate y'all doing that, uh, were on fire as well. So the energy was just off the charts on Monday after the day off for the New Orleans Saints. They'll practice uh, again Tuesday and Wednesday before taking another day off on Thursday. But I want to start off with Jimmy Graham, or excuse me, should I say Jimmy Graham, uh, who caught a pass during team drills um, as he was crossing the field, coming over to the right sideline. This happened right in front of me. And he's kind of turning back up to go upfield. Troy Pride Jr., Number 37, simply in the way, and Jimmy Graham lowered the shoulder and brought the boom uh, on Troy Pride Jr. All of them went down. There was no you know, yards after catch beyond that or anything like that, but I will tell you, it was a moment and kind of set the tone, which is why I'm, I'm leading off with this today, because it was close to a play of the day type situation, even though it was like a seven-yard gain, but it was just that type of physicality out here. That was getting that. Look, Jimmy Graham is nearly the age of Troy Pride Jr.'s jersey number. And Troy Pride Jr. had to take that shoulder to the chest. And look, Troy Pride held his own. They both went down, like I mentioned, but that really set the tone for everything that was going to be happening moving forward 
all throughout this practice. And that's one of the things you love about Jimmy Graham. He's 36 years old. No, he's not the Jimmy Graham of 2013. No, he's not the Jimmy Graham of 2011, but he's the Jimmy Graham of 2023. And, and he needs to show people who that is. And this was one of those moments to where it's just like Dennis Allen said the other day, I ain't got to see it every day, but I got to see it. And Jimmy showed it uh, in that moment. So that was just a great moment to just kind of kind of set the tone, get everything started off. And it you know erupted the crowd, let the crowd know, all right, they're here to play. These pads are on and they're not supposed to tackle one another. Nothing like that. But I didn't stop Jimmy Graham from putting that shoulder down. So that was a that was a great moment. And I thought Jimmy had a pretty solid practice all throughout uh, as well. He didn't get involved in one-on-ones. The tight ends didn't, except for Taysom and Juwan. Both of those guys got in there. But uh, but it was still a really, really solid day for Jimmy Graham. So you love seeing that. During the one-on-ones, though, you got a really nice battle between wide receiver Michael Thomas and cornerback Paulson Adebo. And I'm going to tell you right now, Paulson Adebo who I already thought was the favorite coming in to take that CB2 spot, that second cornerback spot opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Throughout these first five practices, he has absolutely held on to that top spot and might be starting to create a little bit of distance from Alante Taylor. And so Alante Taylor has got to be able to step up here. Um, Taylor saw, I think it was three reps in one-on-ones, didn't win any of those reps. But Paul Sanibo went up against Michael Thomas twice. And Michael Thomas, or on the first one, Michael Thomas is kind of running this outbreaking route, kind of coming back towards the quarterback over on the right side. This pass was thrown by Jameis Winston, but that's not really relevant. It was a good pass. It was just that Paul Sinadibo just went after that football. He crashed down uh, on Michael Thomas, fought for the football. It kind of bobbled around a little bit and Paul Sinadibo came up with it. So that's the only the second interception in camp so far, but it was during one-on-ones, not the same as one happening during those uh, team drills. But this is a drill, the one-on-one drills that are heavily weighted towards the wide receiver. And so being able to see a guy like Paulson and Debo come out the other side with that with that interception, that was really good. But Michael Thomas got him back later on. Derek Carr at quarterback, great back shoulder throw. Michael Thomas laying out to bring it in. We saw Michael Thomas hit the ground a couple of times today, not because of anything, you know, other than him just hustling, right? And going after the football and and, and diving for passes and stuff like that. Pop right back up and getting back on his way. So you love seeing all that. Um, Jake Hayner shined today. We'll talk more about him later. Kendra Miller showed you how tough he runs when the pads come on. I thought Carl Granderson, Tono Passanio, and Peyton Turner all look good again. They each flashed at different times. I have a, a, a note here. I have notes here from uh, some of these pass rushes where I've got 92 with the pressure, 92 with the pressure, 92 with the pressure in three out of four plays. Uh, so really, really good stuff. All three of those were again were second teams. So that was against Jameis Winston at quarterback. But again, didn't really have anything to do with Jameis. It's just that like Tano's matching up with Storm Norton over at that left or that right tackle, right? Is that how directions work? Yeah, right tackle spot. And he is just winning those reps over and over and over again. So it might be time to bump up Tano Passanio and let him match up with Ryan Ramchek and see if he can continue to get that going. But uh, Peyton Turner, also another pressure today. Carl Granderson looked good. So there's a lot of this stuff that's still going on where these guys at the the veteran players, the the players that have been around for a little while at defensive end that you've been waiting to see, are they going to step up? So far, they're stepping up. Uh, Brian Brzee's quickness is insane. Now seeing it with pads on just kind of shows you like, okay, that's his true quickness. He's got all the equipment on. He's fully weighed up. So he was uh, outstanding today too. Didn't have super splashy plays, had a couple of moments, but really just that quickness off the line is just wild because he shouldn't move like that. Like he's one of those guys that's like big, like kind of like Colin Saunders is, 
to where like you don't expect them to move that way, but they 100% move in a way that surprises you. Um, another big win during one-on-ones came from rookie wide receiver A.T. Perry. We'll get to rookie watch in tomorrow's episode, and I'll include this there too. But A.T. Perry skying up uh, for to bring in a pass up against Isaac Yadam, another one that was kind of placed towards that outside shoulder, very very much like the one that Michael Thomas brought in on the back shoulder catch where he had to kind of contort and dive in order to make it. And it was a contested catch. And this is what we were talking about. Once the pads come on and the one-on-ones happen, A.T. Perry might get to a point where he can start to build some confidence. You're starting to see that right now. That one-on-one was such a big win for him. couple of players that you do want to see some more from that I thought might pop off a little bit more when the pads came on. Isaiah Foskey, the second round selection out of Notre Dame. He's been a good pass rusher and you've seen him win number 55 on some of those uh, speed reps and things like that. But today, when the physicality ticked up, I just didn't see him win much. I'm not saying he lost, but I didn't see him win much. So you want to see, we'll get another day with them in pads tomorrow. Maybe he takes another step forward. I think his progress is definitely going to be trackable, demonstrable, all that. So I'm looking forward to seeing it as we continue on. And then, of course, Andrews Pete, unfortunately, left early with an injury. It's just a quad strain. It is a quad injury, but usually quad strains are continued are considered day-to-day. We've watched guys like Tyreek Hill battle through those at the wide receiver position in the NFL, stuff like that. But it is opening the door a little bit further for James Hurst. we got a poll going on right now. Who's going to be the starting offensive or left guard for the New Orleans Saints? Will it be James Hurst? Will it be Andrews Pete? Will it be Nick Saldaveri? Will it be somebody else? And right now, James Hurst, 42% of the vote. He's looking really good right now. So if you want to, if you want to chime in on that, let me know who you think is going to be starting at left guard. But right now, James Hurst might be getting more opportunities than we expected uh, as we continue on. All right, so that gives us a just a couple of notes. We're going to dive a little bit deeper in throughout the throughout the rest of the episode here. But next, I want to take a look and shift focus to the defensive side of the football and what the coaches are doing during training camp. Training camp sometimes gives you the opportunity to implement some new stuff. And the New Orleans Saints are always about innovation. So what are they doing to help their defensive backs with eye discipline is really, really interesting. So we're going to break all that down. As we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So if you want to take your first swing, if you haven't used FanDuel before, at betting with the MLB or betting on MLB, excuse me, over at FanDuel, you're going to be able to get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets up to $200. So if you put down, let's say 200 bucks or excuse me, 20 bucks on, let's say a money line or something like that, you're going to land $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. Now that's $200 that you can use on other money lines, or maybe you can look at some over-unders, or maybe you want to take, uh, put it on who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid out instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on so you can get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints never shy when it comes to trying new things, when it comes to innovating and trying to find some innovative ways to help out their players. And the newest entry in that catalog of things that they've done, including RFID's player tracking, um, further analytics, bringing in their director of sports science, who's like sharing stuff on Twitter, Matt Rea, if you want to go check that out. 
uh, and much more. They now have a new thing that they have brought in to help their defensive backs. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints. For say all you everydayers out there, your first listen of the day every day. So what the New Orleans Saints have implemented just in the individual drills when it comes to the um, when it comes to corners, uh, including slot players, is what they're calling goggles. And I know that, that sounds simple. That sounds basic. But let me explain. Basically, these are goggles that basically create blinders for your peripheral vision. Now, they only use these during individual drills because you don't want somebody getting mollywopped during team drills wearing these things and not being able to see who's coming from where, left, right, all that other stuff. But what they're basically doing is taking all of the distraction away and training the eyes about where to be during a play, how to keep everything in front of them. And so the thing that's really interesting about that is that it allows these defensive backs, and Dennis Allen spoke on it, I also spoke spoke to Isaac Yadam about it, it allows them to just sort of go through their reads and their progressions, because defensive players have progressions too, one, what's going on, two, how are they adjusting, three, like, you know, there'll kind of be a one, two, three, as Dennis Allen laid out. So is this player um, breaking towards the inside, are they breaking toward the outside, or are they going, or, or, you know, are they going north and south, like that kind of thing. And so based upon what those what the opposing uh receiver is doing it allows the it tells the corner what they should be doing in their coverage based upon the pattern that's being run and all these other things it's a little bit of like a similar concept to match man or match zone um to where you know you might have two corners on one side and they change responsibilities based upon based upon if the guy they're lined up over takes an inbreaking route as opposed to an outbreaking route it's a little bit different because the Saints play a lot more man, just like straight up man, but it just gives them the opportunity to be able to kind of train their eyes and focus. And if you remember back when, and really it's not that long ago, it's really over the course of the past couple of years, Dennis Allen has highlighted when it comes to the secondary, back to when he was defensive coordinator still for the Saints, that eye discipline has been a challenge for this team in the past. And I asked him straight up, DA, is, is, you've talked about eye discipline being a challenge for the defensive backs in the past. Is this related to that? And he was like, yes, 100%. That's exactly right. Like, that's the same conversation. And so the piece that you're looking at here is how does this end up helping the New Orleans Saints? So let me give you a little bit of an example. If you're a corner and you're lined up over a receiver, and let's say you're six, seven yards off the ball, let's just say, right, you got some cushion, you give them some cushion, and you're set to drop back, and then you're set to adjust your coverage based upon whether they cut inside, outside, or go vertical. If they cut inside, maybe you're playing a trail technique to where you're trying to keep up behind them. If they're going towards the outside, maybe you're coming underneath because you know that you have the safety help over the top. And if they're going vertical, you either have the responsibility of playing trail by playing underneath because you have the help over the top or you need to stay over the top of them. The last thing you want to do is be even because you know the you know the saying when it comes to every receiver everywhere. If if it's even, I'm leaving. That's I'm gone. Goodbye. And especially when you're dealing with guys that are as fast as Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid and all that. So what's happening is that they're eliminating the other distractions. And again, this is only during individual drills. This is all simulated, right? This isn't like live snaps or anything like that. You, you'd put them in danger with those blinders on the uh, taking away the periphery. And so with those, what it's keeping you from doing is paying attention to, all right, so what's going on over here? What's going on over there? And Isaac Yadam kind of spoke about it as like, if, if I'm paying attention to too much and I'm trying to maybe like take a peek at the quarterback or something like that, I could get juked because this DB is going to fake toward the outside and then cut in, or they're going to push up and then cut out, or they're going to fake towards the inside and cut out or go north, you'll go north and south, get vertical, all that. So I don't want to be distracted by what's going on over, you know, in my periphery, I want to be locked in on what's going on. So it's about training the eyes to get all that. Somebody in the chat said, even loses, that's a hundred percent. 
So this is just like another level to borrow from actually Hayden Jose just said that it's another level. And so these are the things that I think can be difference making for the New Orleans Saints defense. You want to know why the New Orleans Saints defense is so good year in and year out? Because they're constantly doing things that allow them to challenge themselves. There's never really sort of felt like they're ever in a situation to where they're content, you know, or, or, or that they're not trying to push the boundary a little bit or try something or create another obstacle for themselves. And so you're seeing this benefit a lot of these players. And everybody's doing this from Marshawn Lattimore to Alante Taylor to Troy Pride to, you know, Bradley Roby, like all these cornerbacks are doing this and training these eyes. That way when those, when those goggles come off, the eyes end up trying to pick up the action that they've routined, right? So it's about habit building, habit forming. It's kind of like what we discussed with the, um, with the tight ends where Clancy Barone, the New Orleans Saints tight end coach, instead of having them do pass blocking drills, then run blocking drills, then pass catching drills, kind of moves them all around, simulates a drive, gets them in a rhythm, builds habits. Because when you're out on the field, you're not just doing run for five times, then you're passing for pass blocking for five plays, then you're pass catching for five plays on a 15 play drive. Nah, you're run, then you're, you're pass catching, you're running route, and then you're, you're blocking, and then you're kind of doing all these other things. So it's about habit building. Now you're seeing that with these DBs where they're not only habit building themselves, they're habit building their subconscious. These are where my eyes go. Because every time that I've been working with these individual drills and kind of working these, working all these different patterns and everything, and what I'm supposed to be watching, this is what I'm used to. I'm used to not having my peripheral vision. I'm locked into what's going on right in front of me. So they're subconsciously training their eyes to do that once those blinders come off so that they can be a little bit more disciplined in terms of where they're looking. I think that this is invaluable. I think this is a really, really cool extra piece that the New Orleans Saints are adding in. And there's a real on-field transition that goes into any of this. And so I think that that's, that's a big piece um, in terms of what it is that they're doing. So I just think that's a really, um, I said that already. I, I, think it's, I think it's cool. And, and I do think that it has real in-game trans, uh, translation in terms of allowing this team to be better, more disciplined, and making the right choices over on the defensive side. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the play of the day and get to some of the other notes that I haven't gotten to yet, including how Will Lutz did and how far he kicked from today, because he put on a little bit of a show during today's training camp practice. If you have questions while you're here live, drop those questions in the chat. I'll gather some of them up and answer them in tomorrow morning's episode as we continue on with our two-a-days. But we got some more of your notes, as well as, of course, the play of the day coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. You tell them rejuvenated after a day off, and I got out there, they had pads on, their pads were cracking, the players were going off. That was super fun for me. So, you know, I'm bringing the energy today. We out here. I appreciate you very much. For all y'all, every day is making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day, whether you're live or catching the show later. Much love to you. Appreciate y'all continuing on. And a big thank you again to everybody that's taking the opportunity to say hi while you're out at these practices as well. It means the world to me. All right, so um, let's talk about the play of the day, man. So the play of the day, I just got to highlight Jake Hayner here. Jake Hayner, the New Orleans Saints rookie quarterback. They traded up to go and grab this kid out of Fresno State. Of course, he's got the same alma mater as Derek Carr. Drew Brees was one of his favorite quarterbacks when he was growing up. New Orleans Saints were like his favorite team growing up. He's got this picture of him with a football in his arm. He's got the, he's got the, the, the Drew Brees jersey on. 
I feel like he had a cape. I can't remember if he had a cape. I don't know. But he just, he loves, he loves it. And he's he's here now in New Orleans. And he put on a little bit of a show today. And this was a day to where he he's stacking good days now. And look, I'm not about to sit here and talk about how Jake Hayner is going to be the future of the New Orleans Saints franchise and stuff like that. Like he had two, he, he's had some really good training camp practices. There's no need to put more pressure on the kid than that, the kid, the, the grown man. Because he made a grown man throw out there today. So what we saw today, was him take a snap during team drills, um, get back, good protection, had some time, and Rashid Shaheed just blazed down that left sideline. And this was an easy, easy touchdown for Rashid Shaheed, but Jake Hayner had to get the ball there. And you remember that through a lot of Jake Hayner's draft process, which you'll hear a lot about is the mental processing. You'll hear a lot about the ball placement, accuracy, composure, those things, which are all great qualities. But you never really heard a lot about Jake Hayner when it came to arm strength and arm talent, right? And arm talent to me is the combination of strength, placement, accuracy, anticipation, all those kinds of things, being able to throw somebody open, hit a spot, all that. Yo, when I tell you he threw a perfect pass to Rashid Shaheed down the field for a touchdown as he left Adrian Fry in the dust, y'all, Rashid Shaheed is so fast, so fast. And he, uh, Doug Mouton and I always talk about how he looks faster. Uh, in that 22 than he did in 89. I don't know what it is, but it works out. Um, but he put that ball out there and Rashid Shaheed ran up under that thing, easy catch into the end zone and able to take it out. It, it was it was a beautiful play. And it was the kind it was it was a perfect training camp highlight. It's a quintessential training camp highlight, right? Because it wasn't just some, you know, wide receiver off the street that got brought in that everybody calls a camp body and then he comes out and makes big plays and then we start talking about him as a camp sleeper or a camp star. This was the Rashid Shaheed. And Rashid Shaheed is way more than a, a returner. And we've talked about that for ages on the show. The moment that they signed him, if you're an everydayer and you've been around for a while, to the moment that they signed him as a UDFA, I was like, watch out for this dude. He's more than a returner. He's a blazer on the field. And now he's developed even further as a route runner. And I think that one of the things that I want to highlight about him is that small number less weight. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that 22, man, makes it, make, he look faster. Um, but one of the things that I want to highlight is I asked Rashid, I'm sorry, my, my apologies. I asked uh, Isaac Yadam about covering Rashid Shaheed because he, he, he's been tasked with that a couple of times. And um, a couple of days ago during one of the, I can't remember if it was seven on sevens or if it was teams, I apologize. Uh, but um Rashid Shaheed got, got loose downfield. Isaac Yadam was in coverage. The ball was placed well. It should have been a touchdown. But Isaac fought, fought through. You know, he kind of lost the rep, got caught up, fought through the hands, knocked the ball out, didn't panic, remained composed. And so I asked him, like, how hard is it to get that done, especially against a guy with that kind of speed in Rashid Shaheed? Because you kind of have to buy the, down, the downfield release. You have to buy the verticality. You have to believe He's trying to run past you. And Isaac confirmed that. And I've talked about that on the show a couple of times, but I was like, okay, let me ask this question so that if I'm wrong, I can go back and say, hey, I was wrong. But Isaac basically saying, yeah, like you can't, you can't play too, too high over the top of him because then you give him the underneath release if he wants to break out or break in. Uh, but then you can't let him get even because again, if it's even, he's leaving. So you can't lose to him that way. And he kind of said like, that's what happened to me. And so I had to recover. This one, Rashid he was so gone, there was no recovering for Adrian Fry. There was no recovering for the guy. And, and, and Rashid Shaheed made a big old, big old play out of it. Uh, and that was, that's the kind of a play that you would see on, you know, the, the Saints start a drive on the 25, 
and then they they pick up you know uh, they pick up five yards and then they they go to Michael Thomas and he picks up ten yards on a slant. It's a fresh set of downs, first and ten on the forty, and then they pick up a couple more. They get just beyond the fifty yard line, and all of a sudden they're like, "All right, Rashid, line up outside and do your thing." And then he's gone, and then you get to take a shot down the field if it's available, or you dump it off to Alvin Kamara or something like that. And Alvin Kamara goes sixty something yards on a you know on a on a pass out to the flats or whatever. Um, those are the types of things that were kind of missing from this New Orleans Saints offense last year was kind of that diversity ability to be able to take the ta- the attacks. The, the defenses didn't take the offenses releases as seriously, but the Rashid Jeed, you have to, right? You, you got to. And then Chris Olave, the same, Michael Thomas, the same. And now you have all these other weapons. So the, this is why this is one of those big things where it's not just about, uh, you know, oh, it was a pretty pass and oh, it was a big deep pass for a touchdown. Yes, that's true. And it like the crowd was lit after all that. Like they absolutely loved it. And of course you did. Um, but it's beyond that. Like there's real game application to this to where, all right, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that you look for. That's the kind of look you're trying to get in a, you know, first and 10 from your own 40 or from the opponent's 40 or from your own 50, like in that kind of area uh, to be able to take those shots. And and the, these these are the pieces that get pulled together and end up happening. Um and, and translating to the to the field because not only is Jake Hayner gonna be able to make that throw, but Jameis can make that throw. Derek Carr can make that throw. So being able to get that with Rashid Shahid was uh, was pretty big. All right, so let's get through a couple of other uh, big notes. Oh, I should also mention Jake Hayner also added a scramble right after that to where he kind of like okie doked somebody <laughs> on his way. He scrambled out towards the right, so okie doked somebody in the backfield, and then got outside, okie doked somebody again in the flats, and was able to pick up some uh, some some yardage. So him and Jameis Winston and Derek Carr all kind of have this sneaky mobility that they're able to kind of utilize to pick up and scramble in some dire situations. But the thing that I like about Jake Hayner, besides his um, besides his throwing motion, he's got a really tight throwing motion that I think is really good, gets the ball out quickly, decisiveness, all that. But now you're also looking at like, all right, he's not trying to run, but if he needed to, he could. And I think you look at that same thing from uh, Derek Carr, who's also scrambled a couple times in practice this year. All right, let's get to a couple other notes for you. Uh, beyond the play of the day, Marshawn Lattimore, another big time PBU pass breakup against Michael Thomas. This was early on in team drills. Michael Thomas running a quick slant towards the inside and then uh, Marshawn Lattimore being able to break in, uh, kind of break on that pass and then knock it out, get a hand on it. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been out of his mind, out of his mind so far throughout training camp. He has looked so good. And we're seeing this over and over and over again. And um, I, I love it. I think that's the type of confidence you want to see from a cornerback one. And he, he's put on a show out here so far. Um, Will Lutz went eight of eight today. So that takes him to, quick math, uh, 19 of 20 on the uh, offseason so far, at least by my count. And that uh, the longest one that he put out there was a 59-yarder from the left hash. So pretty good stuff. He also kicked, by the way, from 56. He had another one from 50-something. He had another one from 46. He had another one from 44. So he was getting the distance there. But him him knocking through one of those big 59-yarders, that's that's pretty solid. And he did it with uh, with good accuracy as well. Um, another couple of big wins for wide receivers on 101s, Kiki Cody, and then, of course, uh, Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith went 3-0, and including some targets up against uh, Marshawn Lattimore. He had a target up against Bradley Roby. And then he had a third target that I believe was against, uh, yeah, Anthony Johnson. And then we saw two big wins for Kiki Cody going up against Adrian Fry on both of those. Adrian Fry, rough day today. Looking forward to see maybe he he bounces back because he gave up that big uh, score to uh, Rashid Shahid as well. And then finally, just uh, some transaction news for you as well. Uh, 
And, and on the Jake Hayner note, just a reminder for you too, the Saints will probably carry three quarterbacks on their roster. You do not get a free roster spot for a third quarterback on your 53-man roster, but you do get the free spot, effectively a 47th game day player that you can carry in uh, as your emergency quarterback on game day for the game day 46-man roster. So you have those practice squad elevations, the standard elevations, which you can do a couple times a game or a couple times a season for each, for individually per player. And then you'll also have that emergency quarterback 47th unofficial spot or unofficially 47th spot. So he'd still take up a 53rd man roster spot or a 53 man roster spot, but game day, he'll carry in and be your emergency quarterback for sure. He just can't do anything else but be the emergency quarterback and can only go in in the case of losing the first two guys. Uh, and then finally, just transaction wise, the Saints officially placed um, offensive lineman Trey Turner on injured reserve after that quadriceps, um, uh, after the torn quad there injury that he suffered earlier this week or, or late last week. Uh, and then they brought in defensive end Kyle Phillips, who they tried out earlier on this offseason. So he comes in in place of Jabari Zuniga, who announced his retirement yesterday. And so um, now you've got kind of all those, but still still a floating spot out there. We'll see how the Saints uh, continue. Oh, no, they don't. My bad. My bad. They brought in Coda Martin yesterday. So, you know, they, they've just kind of rebuilt that roster back to 90, and then they kind of figured that out. So they lost Trey Turner. They bring in Coda Martin. That's your replacement there. And then they lost... Um, Jabari Zuniga, they bring in Kyle Phillips, who had a great rookie season with the New York Jets, but then had some injuries the second and third years of his career. So we'll see if he's able to kind of you know stick out here. But if you're curious, we're in number 91. All right, y'all. I appreciate y'all very much for being here for another live episode of Locked on Saints. This one was a lot of fun. We had a lot to cover. I think we got through it pretty good. We'll get further in depth, more in detail tomorrow morning as we... um dive in a little bit further in terms of how we're really feeling about this New Orleans Saints team after the first padded practice. What do we want to see after the second padded practice? And then of course, we'll also take a look at Rookie Watch, get you caught up on everything there. Get your questions in the chat as well so I can grab some and then use them throughout the week and get those questions answered. I appreciate y'all as always for being here, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day, all your everydayers out there. I appreciate you as always for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holler at you.